0: and welcome back to the night spice book review podcast for episode six i'm oscar here with neil hi Neil. how's it going oscar i'm
1: feeling moderately hot how about you i'm feeling pretty good um are you feeling hot about the book or in general oh in
0: general i don't want to spoil how i feel about the book so soon right Um, um the book is Starplex by Robert J Sawyer. And it, there's a lot
1: of stuff going on in it. Did you notice that? I, I did. I uh I noticed some things. Um I <laughs> guess we should start with the plot summary. Um, yeah,
0: let's uh I think we should maybe make it a little briefer. Okay. Try uh, try that out, especially because it, it sort of meanders yeah, a little. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you wanna you wanna start off and then
1: yeah sure I'll uh, I'll start off. Um, so uh, this dude <laughs> is like having a he's the captain of a ship called the Starplex, and you really just gotta think of Star Trek Enterprise, but there's no military, and the captain's having a midlife crisis. Right, and it sort of looks like Deep Space Nine. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess I never saw that. But yeah, it's probably like that. Yeah, they they got to make first contact. Um, and they are trying to ex- expand this network of shortcuts. And there's like this mechanic where you have to go through the shortcut once um, before the whole shortcut opens up. Um, right.
0: And it's like a, it's like a instantaneous. It's basically like a wormhole, right? Like it's, they say it's not, but yeah. it's like you pass through it and you're at another part of space.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh Yeah, anyway, some stars uh, from the future show up, and they know it's from the future using science. And (laughs) then they are like, what is going on? And um, (laughs) it turns out uh, that they're trying to stop the universe from expanding too quickly or too fast. Um, And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happens, but uh, it's kind of irrelevant. Yeah, I guess.
0: I I was going to say that it felt like you kind of jumped ahead a lot. But yes, in terms of the main plot, I think that's right. Yeah. Um. And then there are a lot of like other events, that... right?
1: Well, but that's is... the closest thing to like a main mystery, or or yeah. This was in the spirit of not uh, dragging it on too oh, yes. long. But I, I guess see. we can go through the other the the B plot lines, if you will. Well, well, let's let's jump back a little bit and
0: and set the stage. Now that we've gone through the main plot, it's it's basically um, it's a universe where Earth has. It has hyperlight travel and also has these shortcuts, which have introduced it to. Or they've made contact with two other sentient spacefaring species. Um, yes. The No Idea, that the, are like giant dogs. The Waldo you know? Hadim.
1: Those are the pigs. Sure. Yeah. Okay.
0: And uh, then these, the Flatlanders.
1: The Ibs. The Ibs who live on Flatland. The integrated bio entities, I think, or something like yes.
0: that. Yes. Yep. And. The interesting thing about these shortcuts is that they, right, so they only, there are 400 million something. They're scattered throughout the galaxy, but they, you can only go through to one once something has gone through it. So basically they're designed so that a species has to develop spaceflight and find their the shortcut near them before anyone else can use a shortcut to get to them. So yes. it sort of protects species from being discovered this way. Yes, and they formed a. Th- oh, sorry. There are those two species, and then the humans, and then of course the dolphins. Oh
1: yes, the dolphins, those who
0: are me. like a sentient, you know, f- fully intelligent. They they are crew members on the Starplex. Yes,
1: etc. Like a little Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy style. Yeah,
0: it's yeah, it's hard to hard to avoid that. Yeah. Um, um all right you want to you want to pick a B plot?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um uh so they they they're always trying to make first contact with new civilizations. Um and they discover this uh unusual matter, dark matter, if you will. Um and it turns yes. out to be sentient. Um, and it, it is
0: dark matter, by the way. It's straight up the dark matter yeah, that yeah. scientists have detected. Yeah,
1: yeah. This this whole book uh takes a lot of like astronomical theories that are popular in the nineties and like tries to explain it all. <laughs> um but but for me
0: who knows basically nothing about it, well, no spoilers. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um so uh related to this B plot, um the pig Waldehines um, are upset that the humans are taking all their jobs. Um, so they... <laughs> yep, that's correct. They, uh, they withdraw from some sort of NATO equivalent treaty um, and attack the Starplex in an attempt to but, seize it. Right. As well as some human shipyards. Um, and uh, the Dark Matter are having none of this. And they, uh, <laughs> they just hurl the Walda Hedin into the stars. And then they're about to Yeah, hurl they're
0: they're like giant Jupiter sized masses of dark matter.
1: Yeah. It's Yep. Did did you, you read it? this book or listen to the audiobook? I read it. Oh the audiobook was pretty great because I don't know if you caught those sentences, but like the Walda Hadim had Brooklyn accents. I did
0: read that. It's probably a very different experience <laughs> to be told that than to actually hear it. Yeah. And yeah. then the, the dark matter have French accents. Yeah, yeah. So I mean this is what the translation computer is giving them. Right. It's yes. not like in real life they talk, but yes, yeah, that must've
1: been quite the experience. It was pretty great. Um, right. Anyway, back to the dark matter plot line, right? So the dark matter are about to hurl the starplex into a star because they don't like when lesser species fight amongst themselves. Um, so they would rather kill them. Uh, instead, the starplex escapes and, uh, it goes through one of these shortcuts at a high velocity, which puts it really far away. Um, you can control where you go in the shortcut by your velocity into it and your angle into it. Um, and they were in a rush, so they kind of just uh, ended up in a random yeah, they place. they
0: slingshotted around the star.
1: Yeah, they, they ended up in That's like uh, uh, in the middle of a bunch of galaxies, so there's no stars around here. You could just see a handful of fuzzy galaxies far away. And then they went all Carl Sagan on us and said, "This is humanity's middle age." Yep, yep.
0: It was specifically, I think it was the them like having the little military flare
1: ups with the
0: the other alien races. Right. right. Oh, I see.
1: Wait, it wasn't just like being in the middle of like nowhere in the void, if I, you will. I don't think so, but who can say? I mean, I might have forgotten that yeah, part. Who? but Um, so so yeah so basically this
0: book is it's sort of a straight it's it's sort of a strangely structured book right like there is a framing a little bit of framing like the text is in italics um and it's the main character keith the mm -hmm. commander of the starplex um being he he flies a probe or he flies a little ship on some routine mission and then gets pulled into this, cr- you know, oh, yes. he comes through, doesn't recognize it, gets pulled into this crazy ship and starts talking to this translucent glass man. Um, and there are like five-ish of these little mini chapters throughout the book. Oh, yeah. Those are very confusing. Uh, especially They the were very book. confusing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At least in the real book, it was in italics. So I was yeah. like, oh, some- something's up. So there's that framing and then there's sort of the Starplex just going about its business and then There, there's kind of this simmering conflict with the other, with the alien race, Um, like this very mild geopolitical conflict. There's kind of this thing with um, the the stars coming through the shortcuts, and like, what's that about? And that is resolved with the the framing story. Which we can get into in a minute, which is kind of crazy. But then there are a lot of chapters that are just like straight up episodes, right? Like there is one where uh Keith's wife, Rissa, and her Ib
1: oh, yeah. science
0: companion, Boxcar. Don't worry about it. Um uh Boxcar reveals that it committed a crime in the past. It's an IB, which is one of the the two alien species that are sort of working with the humans and made contact with the humans. So basically, for its crime, it loses an amount of time. It it gets all these creatures die at the exact same time. Yeah. Like after the exact same duration. The punishment for its crime, boxcar's crime, all crimes I think, is to lose years off the end of their life. So boxcar is basically like, hey, I'm giving you my five days notice because I have to get killed. <laughs> And I'm at peace with that and like, let it go. And then they, the humans sort of agonize over it a bit. And then it happens. And I actually thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I like that part, but has basically nothing to do with anything else that happens in the book. It's just like another event yeah. in the,
1: in the life of, it, it
0: was very, you know, episode of Star Trek kind of feel.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I enjoyed it though. Like I thought it was fine like that that section or that structure but yeah it, it didn't i mean now that you mentioned it, it definitely feels like an episode but i was like this is just interesting it's like stuff yeah. is happening
0: yeah yeah i don't think i wasn't like mad mm-hmm. and i did find it interesting but once i started to think about that structure i felt like there was a lot of stuff where it's just um you know, the the dark matter, the sentient dark matter creatures, which they call Darmats, yeah. which is pretty silly, um, reveal that they have lost the reason they lashed out. So first of all, God, there, there's a lot of stuff in this book. And I actually thought on its face, most of it was pretty interesting. And I felt pretty good about most of the science, even though, like I said, I don't really know anything about it. It didn't feel it wasn't obviously dated to me. Right. Um, I was I mean, like, it's, it's, I
1: bet a lot of this is made up or wrong, but. Oh yeah. Um, in, in the audiobook he he uh, prefaced the author, like prefaced um, the whole book with a section about how like some of this science is no longer accurate. I'll leave it as an exercise for the reader to figure out what.
0: Huh. Okay. Well, that's nice of him.
1: Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Going to Darmats. Uh, so a, a real thing is called wimps which is like a okay. Darmat equivalent so it's like kind of in line with all the s- silly acronyms that people have made up already in real life and they mention wimps in the book right? yeah yeah when that's a real thing about the t- okay
0: yeah. yeah so so the reason the the darmats lash out <laughs> at the starplex when they were fighting these other alien ships that were attacking them is because they thought the humans were trying to or were risking destruction of the shortcut that was right there that they had come through. Um, and they were upset about that because they had lost a baby of their species. Oh, Again, right. These are like gas giants made of dark matter.
1: That's like another And episode. then,
0: right. And then the Starplex goes through and finds it, but it's in close orbit around the star. And like maybe it's dead and they deploy some technology that is mentioned earlier in the book and save it and bring it back and then are friendly again with the dark. and And again, it was just like this sort of moment that like clearly a lot of thought went into, like, he probably thought it was very cool figuring out how the technology would work and making it into an interesting scenario, but it's, it's definitely another thing that felt sort of disconnected from the story as a whole.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. Um, i like wasn't even paying attention to that part uh i <laughs> guess yeah the main plot line to me at that point felt like so so. keith's wife is also aboard the starplex yes and uh in the main battle sequence they're like why didn't we install military weapons on this ship and then they just uh, repurposed some like geological lasers and she was like very good at firing them so she was drafted into uh pilot to being the gunner on like some dolphin piloted yeah. Dolphins ship. are
0: good pilots because
1: yeah. it's like swimming, I guess. <laughs> yep. Um, anyway, yep. Uh, the
0: ship is like full of water so the yeah. dolphins can just like swim up to the bridge and like man stations and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: I mean, it sounds kind of great. It's... Yeah. It, but also like kind dolphins. of silly. <laughs> Very silly. Yeah. You all, you noticed that? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So that, so Keith and his wife, I believe her name is Rissa, uh, get separated during the the heated battle. And then there's a whole plot line of them trying to find each other. Yes. Um, very brief. Yeah. So I thought that was but, like the main plot line for me at that point of the book. Yeah.
0: It's it's
1: hard to tell. And there is
0: this time. ongoing plotline line of uh, Keith has having essentially a midlife crisis and isn't, and he and his wife are sort of growing apart and he's attracted to this younger officer. And, you know, he's, Sort of like, what's the deal? And then he and yeah, and then all right. So the framing story is yes,
1: right. There's so <laughs> he, many stories,
0: yeah. Um, and then we can probably move off this and and talk about it a little more, like yeah. from more of a critical angle, but and less descriptive. But the framing story is that yeah. So he's essentially goes through this shortcut, is picked up by this crazy alien ship or crazy unknown ship talks to this man who's made out of glass and has no features. And the revelation is um, that that man is him from 10 billion years in the future or whatever it is. He is one of the first humans to ever become immortal. Yeah. And the, the people in the future led by him are sent, like you said earlier, are sending stars back in time through these shortcuts, which they can do. Which supposedly, if you can only send things back and not forward through time, you can't have paradoxes. Which I think is total nonsense. Yeah, that made no but sense we can to talk me. Talk about that later. Yeah, um, <laughs> but and and him from the future also has a personal interest in talking to him because uh, you know he's lived for billions of years, and later humans develop this process of preserving your memories in this way. But he just sort of has forgotten a lot of his early life. And just is wants to learn from his younger self, at least, you know, what the first 40 years of his life were like. Right. And then he wipes his own memory and sends himself back, but implants a command to sort of like, hey, you should reconcile with your wife because otherwise you will be unhappy.
1: Yes. Um, um, and he turns down uh, that lady. Yes, he dances. turns down the, the young officer. Yeah and yeah i, felt I like... oh sorry yeah no no i was
0: just gonna any beander.
1: more um plot lines to discuss
0: i i think that's most i mean it's it's dense <laughs> and i found myself interested in most of the things that were happening
1: yeah which is good i also found it interesting um i definitely felt like the book was written by someone in a midlife crisis
0: <laughs> yeah which i mean that's not a like you, you should write about something that you care
1: about. Yeah. But yes. Um, yeah. And on that note, I felt like this book, I, if I if I could describe it as a character in a fictional TV show, would be Jerry Smith, who's Jerry from Smith, Rick and Morty. Have you seen that? Oh film? no.
0: Okay, the dad. Yeah. Right. Okay.
1: Go on. Like a little lacks an edge, kind of pathetic. Um, <laughs> wow. But. Like, not, yeah, I don't know. It's not edgy, but I don't know if that's bad. It just uh, felt like soft and round. Yeah,
0: so <laughs> that's good. No, I'm glad. This is what happens when we record late at night. It gets very symbolic. And yeah, sort of. So um, I think the big structural problem this book has is that there is very little There's surprisingly little conflict. There are a lot of chapters that end with a character just like there was still so much more to discover about the mystery or something. Or like there's – events happen and they deal with them, but there's a lot of stuff. Like that thing where they go through – they slingshot through the shortcut and end up in space far away. They're out there. They worry about it. They figure it out. They come back. Yeah. Like it's not – it was not a, a propulsive book. Um, the other, although I found it pretty easy to read. Yeah. Like I I wasn't slogging through it. Um, the other sort of, uh, structural criticism, I guess I would have of it is that it's really, this is not, it's not like an elegant book. It's not, it's like, there are authors that I think of being very like sort of nimble and, and light on their toes. This wasn't like sludgy. But it just like it tells you what happens. It tells you about all the science. The science seems to clearly be the main interest of the author, and he makes yeah. it interesting.
1: But and it's kind of accurate. Um, though I kind of also felt like uh, it reflected someone who like would read about science and didn't have the imagination to come up with new science, which is mm-hmm. fine. But it's like you're you're just taking other people's like. Ideas and you can't extrapolate like the implications of them, or you can only extrapolate right. them in the same way that those people do. Yeah, uh,
0: I, I could definitely see that. Uh, this book is also newer than I thought, by the way. 2010.
1: Wait, I, I thought it was 1997.
0: Started. Well, I don't know. This,
1: uh, maybe if a second edition, this,
0: this internet says first edition 2010, but maybe it was a reprint. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll look into that over the course of this episode. Originally published
1: October 1996. Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, that makes a little more sense. 2010 felt sort of surprising. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like this was a really really reflective of the decade that it was written in. Like, Mm. it's like really optimistic, humanist, pacifist, um, accepting of all peoples. It's like the world is just getting better and better.
0: You're Um, really getting a full tour of like the different eras of thought of the the 20th century
1: yeah it's great and and 21st i guess so far it feels like the 50s and 90s were the best decades
0: um good (laughs) yeah at the end of this we can do a ranking of
1: (laughs) of all decades (laughs) based Um, on science fiction written during right exactly
0: Can, can we talk about okay first of all let's well, let's talk about our our general impression, like our our overall thoughts, and then I I want to get into some more nitpickier stuff. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> uh, so what what do you think overall, other than round and soft? Um, like like
1: overall review, like star rating, or yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I wait. So remind me uh, what yes, two, three, four stars everybody. are.
0: Two, one is dislike, yeah. two is it was okay, three is you liked it, four is you really liked it, five is it was amazing.
1: Oh, yeah. I'll give it three stars. I liked it. Okay.
0: Uh, I think I'm also going to give it three stars. Yeah. I, I liked it in a different, like, it, it, it this was not like a highs and lows book of like, oh, there's this stuff that really bothered me, but I found it really thought provoking. This was just sort of pleasant, interesting enough. Yeah. And
1: yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, exactly. It was like, uh, I kind of enjoyed these characters. There's a little bit of conflict, but not that much conflict. Um, this world is kind of interesting, but it's like I've seen so many worlds that are so similar to this world. So, how interesting is it actually? Um, I guess Star Trek, it just felt like Star Trek. But, so, here's my tell me what you think of this. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: in instead of Star Trek, which to me has a little more of like a like a clean lines kind of more idea driven feel. To me, this felt like Babylon five. Oh, that was the thing that kept coming back to me.
1: Have you seen that? No, I haven't. I only saw okay. the Stargate um, seasons where they stole all those characters from that show.
0: Oh yeah. Wait, or is that Farscape? Oh, maybe it's or Farscape. Did they... Yeah. Yeah. Babylon five. It's just like this deeply sincere sci-fi thing with a lot of you know humanoid aliens with prosthetic faces and just just like this the distillation of the most sincere uh, but not maybe that I'm sure I'm angering Babylon 5 fans who've watched more than I have but but no edge no irony just constructed this very complex world
1: and and wants to sort of tell you about it right i see um yeah that so that show came out a couple of years before this book so maybe the author was like okay. or maybe it's just
0: the the that was the spirit of the of the 90s, 90s same yeah. sort of thing. like it, uh, it had a similar sort of very pacifist diplomat space station um you know united nations kind of feel yeah yeah west
1: wing <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: although i think the west wing has more edge than than Babylon 5 but We'll review all West Wing episodes another time. Right. Um, To me, this Um, was regular. This is like exactly what I sort of picture for. I've talked about how other books weren't exactly what I thought. Nova, or not Nova, Nova. That's that's a book. Hugo Award winners or Hugo nominees were like to me. This is a classic. This is what I picture when I think of Hugo nominee but not winner. You know, like dense. yeah, Yeah, very sci fi. Lots of ideas. Not, you know, not. The writing doesn't really stand out in any particular way. It's mostly about the ideas and the science. Which, you know, might sound you know, three stars. i don't think Yeah, it's I, not bad. That's a pretty decent rating for me so far on this podcast. Yeah, that's I, a high I rating. I had a perfectly think, right? pleasant time.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think I gave Ursula Le Guin four. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. But but she's um, she's real good. Yeah. Uh yeah. The the world reminded me a bit of Mass Effect. Um, where there's all yep, these humanoid that. aliens and there's like this pre-existing shortcut network and no one knows why it exists. But in that book, it's all negative because, uh, I guess the two thousands were a more negative time post nine right. 11, as they say. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to extrapolate the two thousands. You were actually alive for those. So I mean, also the nineties, right?
0: Yeah. Were we really child. alive then?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Hard to say, but yeah, um, yeah, I yeah, I like talking about how decades influence science fiction novels.
0: Yeah. Um All right, let's let's do some nitpicking.
1: Yeah. Oh, so like in the first italic chapter, I guess, it made it sound like this glass man interaction was super dramatic, but it like uh like he said Keith, you hold the key to the future and the past, but oh, it's yeah. just like his personal future and his personal past.
0: Right. And I guess, I mean, he does hold the key to the future in the sense that he will go on to do all these things, but not in any way that requires yeah. anything to happen. In Yeah. And then it's a perfectly friendly conversation. He He feels slightly uneasy. Yeah. And that's it.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, I thought um, that was overly dramatic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that aspect of it. Gave me a little, a little shades of the big mystery structure in 2312 where you're just sort of like, okay. And then it just ends and it's not. Can we talk about the paradox stuff for a second? Oh, yeah. Because I feel like this is, this is not like a science problem. This is just like a logic problem. The book says, just tosses off. Oh, yeah. As long as you only time travel backwards, it turns out that that no paradoxes only future time travel creates paradoxes. And I feel like the classic paradox would be, I go back to this moment and change it in some way, but I've already
1: experienced this. I think the book even acknowledges this when the glass man wipes Keith's memories before something in back. Right.
0: Right. So in the epilogue, Keith has the epiphany that, Oh, this, very small mysterious event that happened in the beginning where a probe of theirs that they send through a new shortcut gets destroyed he he basically says that oh the way they're avoiding paradoxes is, is like by being very careful and covering their tracks right which to me that doesn't really like the only reason there is no paradox in his encounter with Keith the glass man Keith from the future's encounter with Keith from the past is because he conveniently has no memory of the what Keith has memory of, right? Oh, that's like, true. Like he tells Keith, "I don't remember like what I can't even remember the name of my first, you know, my first love, my his Keith's current wife." But like now, I'm glad that you've told me that you filled that in. You should go back and like you know make sure that relationship works out. But it's only the fact that the glass man doesn't know what happens that makes that not be a paradox. So I'm very. I, I don't think that's
1: right. I think it could still be a paradox. Like um, anything that well, the yes, glass man yes. does change, that causes the changes behavior could result in no glass man existing.
0: Well, maybe- I think if you only travel in one direction, you can. Can't you still end up with a single timeline, like?
1: But, so if how you, do you time
0: travel back to me now, it'll just happen right now. And I, I will lose free will, right? Like you will have to travel back to me later. But
1: as um... long as we have no memory of that, that seems okay. Yeah, I guess free will is probably an illusion, so we can just ignore it. Right, that's a great <laughs> point yeah um no, no
0: but i mean that's the flip side of the paradox no thing,
1: but i right? mean we'll assume like everything's deterministic like that's like
0: okay oh i see yeah which is what you're saying i think um anyway the yeah yeah, i didn't it's think... not like that enters into the mechanics
1: of the story really but right it just felt like a thing that the author was saying because he thought it sounded cool
0: yeah well i guess it does time travel does enter into the story in a way, because they're sending these stars back. I think the scene where they the first star comes back through the, I thought that was a pretty cool scene. Oh yeah, when they're and and they basically have to get out of there because they're like really close to a star and that's a bad time. Yeah, I thought that was a a kind of a, a spooky tenth scene. Uh, most I, of my notes are about the paradox stuff. I got I got very upset. Yeah, my oh another
1: are- note. No, oh, you you wanna Oh no, I, I went through all of them. They're all about the nineties.
0: Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. Good
1: good fashion.
0: Yeah. Um uh, just a quick warning again to all authors out there. It's just super terrible when you do stuff when you when you have your future characters reference things from your contemporary time and say the sound of the door was just like the sound of a rifle being cocked in an old time western movie. Oh, yeah, that is weird. few of your Earth literary characters appeal to me, but Sherlock Holmes, like, it's just, it's, it just can't be done anymore. It's so clumsy.
1: Like, uh, in my opinion. The, uh, oh, I see, like, it's a future book, but it's referencing contemporary things.
0: Right, like, the original series Star Trek would do this all the time. As your old Earth author mark twain would say or whatever just you know that's
1: oh yeah that uh other book we read alien. made fun of this um oh, i don't remember it? any of red the other books.
0: oh yep yep
1: that is that is good um what did um, you give red shirt? two stars yeah i guess they're both like star trek clone books.
0: yeah I, I don't know it's more of like a galaxy quest clone
1: right red shirts yeah, but seems- well, I mean,
0: it's it's a Star Trek parody, but I right. see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I never really, you know, I was I, I had to sort of suspend my disbelief for the the pig like aliens. Oh, it was just like, boy, they sure are human like in every way. Well, they're
1: from Brooklyn. They're
0: just like right. really angry
1: Brooklynites.
0: Well, yeah, but it was just sort of like, man. Their culture sure seems pretty easy to wrap my head around. Like, they don't actually seem that alien. They seem like Star Trek aliens. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, I was able to tolerate it. I thought the Ib were actually pretty interesting. Uh, I liked the way they talked, although it's not like it's never been done before. But it, it had a sort of pleasing cadence. And did you like that they were gestalt creatures?
1: Yeah. Just like our boy...
0: More than human, um,
1: yes, yeah, I like that. Uh, well, aren't we all just thought creatures in the sense that we're made of cells? Yeah, but we're not made of like wheels <laughs> and buckets or whatever
0: was going on there. Yeah, I guess the
1: wheels are like sentient wheels, yeah, it was semi sentient wheels,
0: right? They're like dogs, yeah, I believe. Yeah, they're made out of seven different. That's very strange. <laughs> it was, cool. of I, I was I was okay with it, but. Yeah. I could never really take the dolphins seriously and they were never on screen enough for me to ever...
1: Oh, yeah, those dolphins.
0: Yeah, they're tricksy creatures.
1: They they had pretty good accents in the audiobook. Did
0: they? Um, yeah, they what are they?
1: Because like, uh, the Ib
0: are British, right?
1: Yes, yeah. They didn't say um, a specific t- nationality, but they sounded kind of like uh, weasels or something. What?
0: i'm not i've never heard you know it's fine i don't even i well i guess i should check out a sample of the audiobook because that sounds insane it's a pretty
1: good audiobook
0: um yeah uh other minor notes the yeah the the writing was just it was regular sci-fi writing i have one example here of just like you know if you're going to do this at least have confidence. Keith's wife's last name is Cervantes, who is it's the same name as the author of Don Quixote, and it's referenced a couple times. Oh yeah. And then there's a line that could have been okay, but then it you know cuts itself off at the knees. Uh, and Keith Keith kept hoping a windmill somewhere would start tilting at him, which would be okay, I think. It would be a little literary, but whatever. It's a metaphor that ties back to something else in the book, but then it just explains itself. Keith kept hoping a windmill somewhere would start tilting at him. Kept hoping for something important to do, which is like if you're just going to say it, don't have the metaphor, and if you're going to have the metaphor, just like let it ride. And anyway, oh. that's just a, a minor.
1: Yeah, I I like I like the explanation because I didn't know where I don't, I, don't... <laughs> I didn't know where that was going. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean thought... that's
0: the risk of not having the explanation, I guess.
1: Right. I I, I I didn't remember that line from the book, and I thought it was a reference to um the younger officer.
0: Oh. Yeah. Basically. Young officer windmill.
1: Yeah. Like one of like they'll just windmill at him.
0: Yeah, that would that would be weird. Yeah. But um, I, I mean, any that... any final Yeah, that's sort of. That's sort of true. Yeah.
1: I um... I don't have anything else. I guess this book was like very straightforward. Like it's yeah. not, it doesn't irritate you too much. What'd you say? Sorry. It's not that irritating. Like there's nothing yeah. low, low emotional arousal, if you will. Like neither sure, positive. I will. negative.
0: Yeah. I, I, it's sort of in many ways, this is exactly what I expected from an author. I've sort of heard of as like a minor author from a Hugo award nominee, but not winner um, from the title, from the fact that like, I'd never heard of it. Like most of these books I've heard of. Yeah. Or I I have some impression of, but this was just like, yeah, just straight ahead. Sci-fi. It
1: doesn't even have a Wikipedia
0: page. I know. (laughs) And I, you know, I I have to say, I bet this took a lot of work. Yeah. Like there's a a lot, a lot of ideas in here. Um, There's a lot of science. Some of it I'm like, who cares? You know, um, where like the, the Starplex, they they set it spinning and like when they're under attack, oh yeah. you, like spill all the water out because they're damaged and they use it to their advantage because it freezes in space and then like flies at the attacking ships as like a hailstorm. Like, okay, that's sort of like, a, like the resolution to a Star Trek episode. Yeah. Like a bad one.
1: I mean, um, um, it's kind of like five or six Star Trek episodes glued together.
0: But there were other things where like, Something would happen and he would sort of explain how that event took place. And I would be like, oh, I never really thought about how this would interact with scientific realities. You know, I I don't have an example off the top of my head, but but just sort of along the lines of like, oh, we vent all the water out of the ship and then it freezes because it's cold. Like that sort of interaction, but something where I was like, oh, that's... And I don't know if those interactions were correct or if they're still correct if they still hold up but there were there were plenty of times where i was like that's really interesting um that's usually not enough for me in a book well it's certainly not enough for me to get a book over 3 stars right but it was pleasant and interesting and i
1: respect the work that went into it um yes i agree um i liked all his canada references cuz he was born in canada right
0: yeah oh. you're um, basically canadian right I have Canadian relatives, but they won't let me in the country anymore. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, after a certain amount of provocation, a government will just shut you out. Yeah. Can you get there? I think I could. I'm told I could and also that I can't. So, I, but I'm fine. Right. Oh, wait, no, I do have one more criticism. They talk about the anthropic principle in the book. Oh yeah. Not even criticism, just nitpick and describe it as sort of the philosophical view that the universe was destined to produce humanity.
1: And I don't think that's correct. I think oh, that's, that's more that. Oh, sorry. No, no. What were you going to say? Oh, that's like a, a thing that people say. Sure. That's yeah. Under- no.
0: It's a, yeah. So it's, it's a real thing.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think
0: that the, uh, my understanding is that the anthropic principle is that it's not necessarily people because people take the the improbability of life as an example that that it didn't happen by chance right right and the anthropic principle is well by the mere fact that we're even here like to even have this conversation life had to have happened right so if you ever are having a philosophical discussion about where life came from you are you are in the spot where life happens. So even if it's very unlikely, if it happens, I don't know. It's weird, but it's kind of cool. But yeah. it's I don't think it's what was described in the book. So
1: yeah, it one star ties into the simulation theory. Like, no, no, three stars. All the, don't all even the, start with me. <laughs> all, all the simulations that couldn't support life didn't turn into life-supporting universes.
0: If anyone's concerned out there about they've heard something and they think that maybe there's Good evidence that we live in a simulation. I can put your mind to rest. Uh, there is not <laughs> that that argument is bad.
1: Fair enough. Um, <laughs> oh, this author it can be its own podcast. won a Hugo Award for real in two thousand three. Really, for what is it? Uh, Hominids. A flash forward. Oh, maybe we'll listen to that. Yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do we'll return. that. So,
0: yeah, I wonder where this book fell. <laughs> In the, um, like in his bibliography, I will tell you in a second. His first book was in 1990 and this was in 96 apparently or serialized in 96. Right. Oh, maybe it
1: was written as like five short stories oh, or something.
0: God damn it. We need to start identifying this ahead of time. That right. that would make a ton of sense. Yeah. And I'm tired of, I'm tired of learning this after. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just called
1: good preparation, though. Right. Well, I kind of like just picking a book at random from the list and not knowing anything about it. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, But I wish these people would cool it and just write novels. Oh, you say member of the Order of Ontario.
0: Well, who isn't? (laughs) Um, So next time we've picked our book. You've already started it. Yeah. It is Babel 17 by Samuel R Delaney yeah who I picked because I've read some a couple really crazy nonfiction books about writing and literary criticism of his and I've read one book of his and it didn't really do it for me but he seems like he seems smart in a crazy way so I want to I want to
1: give it another shot cool all right any any final words um I'm I'm good. This book was all right. There you go. Yeah. This book. <laughs>
0: all right. So that's it. It's 1041 PM. So I'm going to go and I've been at the, the, I'm a town meeting member uh-huh. for the small town I live in. And I've been at that all day for like 12 hours. So I'm going to go lie face down on the floor. Cool. Uh, for the rest of my life. Have fun. All right. I'll see you next time, Neil, and goodbye to everyone.
1: Bye.